Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Aaron Larsoul, and this is the very first episode of The Hook. I'm, I'm so freaking excited for this thing. Like, this is going to be so much fun. Aaron, what do you, uh, we, we, we promised everybody libations. We did. We promised everybody that we were going to, you know, treat this like happy hour. We did. It is uh, 1230 my time. So, Jen, if you're listening, this is legal. Uh, <laughs> I can't get in trouble for this. <laughs> Mom, when you listen to this, that means, you know, it's 1030 uh, Pacific time. I did clean your room. My mom's coming to uh, stay with me on Monday. So I did, I did clean mom's room so she can come hang out. But mom, disregard the fact that I am uh, drinking at 1030 a.m. Although you know me well enough to know that that's not a shock. But shout out. Hi, mom. Shout out, mom. Aaron's mom, if you're listening, it was my idea. I forced Aaron to do it. It's this was this was part of the deal. Um, what do you what do you what do you have in front of you? I have I made myself an old fashioned. What do you got? So I did. I drank a uh, buddy of mine came over last night and I, uh, I I cooked and we did like a little fake Mad Men kind of night, even though I've never seen Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had some old fashions. I take my cocktail making very seriously. And uh, I made uh, like a steakhouse surf and turf kind of thing. So old mm-hmm. fashions last night. Today, I mean, in honor of the first show, and this is a, a Lakers centric podcast feed. Uh, so shout out Jeannie mm-hmm. and Sincoro. I'm drinking a little of the extra Nejo, uh, the, the Sincoro extra Nejo. As you can see, people listening can't see, but uh, a little extra, actually quite a bit of <laughs> extra Nejo. So shout out Sincoro <laughs> and Jeannie. Thank you for the bottle. And uh, yeah, sipping on that Sincoro. Yeah, I have that. I have that in my bar, too. It's what I use to impress people. Like if they if they want if, you know, I say like, hey, do you want to sip of the good stuff? That's that's the good stuff currently in my bar. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I'm a Hennessy guy and a, and a, and a whiskey guy, but um, for my tequila, definitely Sincoro. Yep. Uh, all right. So today's show, we are going to again, the, the premise of the show is we are going to be talking about the rest of the NBA, right? Every other day of the week, it is just Lakers all the time. Uh, This show, we're going to broaden our our focus a little bit here and uh, talk about the rest of the NBA and then tie it back to the Lakers. Uh, I got a really funny comment on (laughs) when we made the announcement. And he said, oh, so it's basically any other national show. I promise you it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Not with the two of us, it ain't. (laughs) It is not. I promise you uh, that on like every other well i i guess i can't say this definitively but every other national show i'm sure they aren't drinking tequila and whiskey um while they're recording but you never know like we we still don't know what's in chuck's coffee mug we we will Uh, never know yeah so and and funny enough i i think about yeah and we never know what Shaq is doing either on that in fact we don't know what anybody other than ej is doing on that set to be honest with you i think it's probably the best show on tv yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, we don't know. And, and, uh, we're going to do a little story time later. And my, my story time does include one Shaquille O'Neal. Hell yeah. I can't wait. So segment one, we're going to discuss Ben Simmons, tie that to, uh, what Lakers fans should be rooting for the outcome they should be rooting for as it pertains to Ben Simmons. Uh, there was some interesting Kyrie rumors out there that were uh, kind of circling around. So we're going to discuss that. And then, uh, in the last segment, the last basketball segment, uh, we are going to discuss Anthony Davis playing the five and how the rest of the Western Conference feels about that, about about whether or not he should be playing the five. So let's start, though, with Ben Simmons and all of the rumors. Uh, the last rumor that I heard was kind of a funny one. And it was basically that Philly feels confident that Ben Simmons will happily report to a training camp and play for the Philadelphia 76ers. That flies in the face of a lot of the other rumors uh, from Ben Simmons camp in which they are saying that is absolutely not going to happen. Uh, my first question is, is, is fairly simple before we get to how it affects the Lakers, but how do you think teams should handle these in general, right? Like superstars ask out, they give team, they give their, their front offices, uh, teams that they want to go play for, and they have basically all of the cards in these uh, situations. And every time, basically, we see these teams essentially fold. This is the the longest I think this is going to go between Simmons and uh, and between Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. How how should teams handle all of this though? So there's so many interesting layers to this one specifically. 
And I think the first thing I would say <laughs> from the Sixers camp is I would not include Ben Simmons and happily with anything that has to do with the 76ers anymore. Um, <laughs> look, the 76ers, <laughs> if they want, can find him about $800 million a day. Uh, mm-hmm. If he doesn't end up coming to camp, it'll be interesting to see. And it, it, it's it kind of become a game of chicken. But to answer your question about how teams should handle it, I think this one is different. And also we'll get into like the Dame connection on this. And I think it would be different if, if, if I got to do my Zach Lowe thing here, if, if, if um, Dame were to end up opting out or asking for a trade mm-hmm. because, you know, with the Anthony Davis to the Lakers thing, um, James Harden to Brooklyn. James Harden. I mean, there's, there's been a bunch of them, but, but Simmons is signed forever. And so that kind of lessens his leverage. Um James went the way of just making life miserable in, in Houston for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. But you know, Daryl Morey seems to be more willing to deal with uncomfortability and yeah. <laughs> not going to, doesn't seem like he's going to bend to that. But again, like deadlines create uh, action and we'll see once training camp starts. I don't think anybody, Joel Embiid certainly doesn't want to be answering questions you know, in training camp, every other question will be yeah. about Ben Simmons. But how should teams deal with this? The The real answer is they should probably trade guys quickly. Um, yeah. Before yeah, it reaches can, this point, really. Because the, the longer it goes, the harder it becomes, the worse it becomes. That starts getting around the league more and more and more. And that is going to depress offers. You know, the rumors are that Daryl Morey asked for everyone's firstborn child mm-hmm. in negotiations so far. He actually uh, called me up and, and and demanded Avery. I'm like, I don't. Did you consider it? Well, it depends. No. <laughs> <laughs> Avery, I don't know if Avery is a lefty or a righty, but Avery might be a better three point shooter than Ben Simmons, particularly in the fourth quarter of playoff games. Hey man, uh, she's she's gotten pretty freaking good. She's turned into a good little passer. Like I've been. Oh really, well, she's, she's she shares that with and, Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how? I mean, honestly, like. It once you you were correct. You know the players generally do have most, if not all, of the leverage, and therefore teams kind of get get stuck, and it becomes. But the other reason Philly is in a in a, in a strange place or in a difficult place is because most of these deals, and you saw this with the Lakers and for AD, right? It's it's young players, prospects, mm-hmm. it's BI, it's Zo, it's, it's it's Josh Hart and a bunch of picks. That isn't really what. Philly should be looking for yeah. uh, in a deal, in my opinion. You know, you've got Joel Embiid, who's one of the best, however many seven or ten guys in the league, however you think of it. And you got a bunch of money committed to Tobias Harris for a while. Uh, so this is a team They're that is now. expecting to win now and built to win now. So that kind of complicates uh, one of these trades. Usually, these these superstar asking out trades are for a bunch of picks and pick swaps and and prospects. Like though, and we'll get into this a, a little bit later. But the like the the star slash superstar for star slash superstar trades just don't happen in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I, the only real instance where a team called a star's bluff and just wrote it out for a while was the Lakers with Kobe. Right? Remember Kobe said told yeah. Stephen A. Smith, yeah, he was playing on Pluto. Yeah, and he was he tried to pretend like, and I think he tried to stick the knife in a little bit, specifically saying he was gonna he was gonna go to the Clippers. He'd consider the Clippers. I think it was yeah. the Bulls and Clippers, right? But yeah, it was. I think the, the Clippers the, were like a little, you know, Doctor Bus little knife turn. Well, the, I know the the Bulls got the closest, and Kobe said he didn't want to go to the Bulls because they weren't going to, uh, or they were going to include Luol Deng in the trade. Remember, and and mm-hmm. that like. When Kobe said isn't, that isn't, he wanted Dang there, isn't, isn't, isn't that interesting? What a ten years later, yeah, right. That's a funny name. But so, like in that situation, uh, Kobe, I believe, was under contract for a little while, and uh, he had that meeting with Doctor Bus, that that famous lunch that they they went to, and and Doctor Bus basically told him, "We can't trade you. Like that would really hurt uh, our organization." And he said, "Just be patient." I know Kobe was pissed because they weren't trading Andrew Bynum for Jason Kidd. Uh, and, and, you know, he had that video in the, in the, in the parking lot where he, where he basically called uh, Bynum garbage. And so uh, eventually though, the Lakers started playing and they started winning 
And uh, Bynum specifically was really freaking good. That that was the first year that Bynum really made a leap. Yep. And before, like before they even traded for Powell, I remember there was a Sonics game that Bynum really showed out. And they asked Kobe afterward because they had been doing plenty of winning. Hey, Kobe, like, what does this mean? The steps forward that Andrew Bynum took this year. What does this mean for your for your trade demand? And and that was the very first time that Kobe ever really said, "No, I think I'm good. I think mm-hmm. I'm all right here." And then, as we all remember, Bynum gets hurt Powell, yeah. with uh, with with Lamar Odom, and then and then they trade for Powell, and the rest is history. But like that's a very unique, like le- legitimately unique, in that it's the only instance where the Lakers or the team that has a superstar was able to convince that superstar, no, you don't, you really, we can't trade you. I think we're all better off if you stick around. Um, do you do we do you think we'll ever see something like that again, or was that just too unique a situation because of the Lakers being the Lakers? Uh, so, quick answer, no. Uh, mm-hmm. But can we also take a second to giggle about? how uh generally players are not the best general managers like kobe wanted jason kidd like jason kidd was a is a top you know whatever top 40 player of all time probably uh, and was damn good then but jason kidd needed the ball and kobe certainly liked having the ball jason kidd didn't become that that spot up three-point shooter like he was in dallas right he was not that dude yet (laughs) so jason kidd did not have a lot of utility off the ball uh, he was still a fantastic defensive player in those days, but he did not have offensively, didn't have a whole lot of utility off the ball. And yep. Kobe just decided he was, I mean, Kobe always wanted the ball. So um, shout out to to uh, uh, the best players in the world, not being the best GMs in the world. But um, will we <laughs> ever see we, that again? Which we won't acknowledge because of the situation with the Lakers. We just, we'll just. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> will we ever see that again? No, because I think the, yeah, I mean, Kobe was Kobe, and Kobe, you know, Kobe, we all, everybody listening to this knows about Kobe and what he means to the NBA mm-hmm. and how great he was and all of that. But even Kobe being Kobe, and as much as he meant to the Lakers, obviously displayed by um, the the brain trust and Genie giving him that last contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his 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 stature with the Lakers obviously is is confirmed, but. Even Kobe in those days didn't have a whole lot of power because yeah. that wasn't the way of the NBA now. And yep. that is very thanks league. to LeBron, you know, a handful of years later, um, where it has become, you know, the quote unquote player empowerment era. Mm-hmm. Um, Superstar so, empowerment. Yeah. So players didn't have that kind of leverage that they do now. Um, or or they did. They just didn't hadn't realized how to wield it, uh, you know, whatever, 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. So, no, I don't think we will ever see that again because I, I I think that that you know whatever the the old timey saying is the horse is out of the barn or whatever it is yeah yeah um, so yeah no, out I don't of think the we're going back yeah exactly I don't think we're going back so yeah. no I don't think we'll ever see that again although in a, like in a situation like this that we were just referring to with Ben Simmons like technically how much leverage does Ben Simmons have because. He signed for four more years. Usually the threat of, well, trade me where I want or I'll just leave in free agency um, is is kind of the 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 stick that is held over yep. the, te- the the head of the team. But that isn't really the case with Ben Simmons or, frankly, Dame. Also, Ben Simmons, I don't really consider a superstar. <laughs> ben Simmons is damn. I mean, look, he's not he's a really good, level, but he's, he's really good. He's a, I think I consider him a star. I consider but like superstar like the. The, the the thing about James Harden is that teams were willing to give up all of those assets for, for yes. James Harden. The yes. thing with Dame is that if he ever makes his demand immediately, teams will line up for the opportunity to give assets up for, for, for Dame. Yes. Yeah. As we're learning, there is a line in the sand here with Ben Simmons. And like that, that is, that's part of why this has been stuck so long is that like Daryl Morey thinks that he's worth a certain package and, uh, the league doesn't think that given where what we just saw from Ben Simmons, he's worth that kind of package right now. And so everybody's just kind of stuck. Um, what is I think the- all that I think all of that is true, but I think the other part that makes this a unique situation, I mentioned earlier that Philly needs to win now. But mm-hmm. I think that my guess, my read on it is Daryl Morey is waiting for one of the other guys to yeah. demand out. 
uh, and the other guys is Dame and, and Bradley Beal, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So he is then forced to everybody else's best packages. If you want Ben Simmons includes draft picks, pick swaps and young yeah. players. So, which helps a rebuilding team, but that's not where they are. Correct. You know, that's just, that's just not where they are. And that's, if, by the way, you asked me earlier, what should Lakers fans want in this? Yeah. I think the answer to that is the status quo because it's not going well in Philly. The longer it goes, the worse packages are yep. going to get. I would be nervous if I was a Lakers fan. Okay. I am, but I, I would, it would make me nervous in, in Portland. If, something were to happen with um with CJ McCollum and mm-hmm. and as hit as he as as the the lead of a package. So I think kind of the status quo where it's a little bit uncertain in Portland. Um I, I think Lakers fans should be rooting for the status quo. I don't think Philly would beat Brooklyn even in the best of circumstances. Mm-mm. But Philly uh that it kind of removes this uncertainty and the drama there kind of removes Philly as a contender. I think in general. So as a, as a Lakers fan, I think Lakers fans should be, should be rooting for pretty much just the status quo. Just let this play out. Let it become toxic. Watch fires burn in the city of brotherly love. <laughs> the Liberty bell may be in trouble. I don't know, but just, uh, just root for fires to burn there and little bubbling in, in, in of discontent in Portland, but not enough so that anything actually happens. So I think Lakers fans should probably just be rooting for status quo. Yeah. I, I just don't know how long status quo is going to continue. And I think the one thing Lakers fans should be a little nervous about it, especially as it pertains to the West and even their own division is will the, will the offers ever get so suppressed that golden state feels comfortable trading for him. And that's where that's where I, I don't want to see Ben Simmons in Golden State. Ben Simmons with Golden State spacing, especially if Clay Thompson is healthy, is effing terrifying. Because like the yes. one thing that we've we've seen with Draymond is just a slight slippage athletically. Mm-hmm. And it's made him a significantly worse offensive player. If Ben Simmons shows up there, he is immediately prime. Draymond not not like he doesn't have the intangibles that that dream that makes Draymond Draymond but skill wise or, or the strength and physicality to guard fives but yeah but Simmons is 610 and um okay so I I so now as I'm introducing myself to the the, the full feed I grew up a Warriors fan I'm from San Francisco so I grew up a Warriors mm-hmm. fan so I still follow them very closely um and we'll talk about the Warriors in a little bit as it as it relates to uh Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis. Uh-huh. but the yes although the the warriors ownership joe lacob in particular i think is being very transparent about how how committed he is to planning for the future while also trying to win now yeah they tried to do both last year and it was a like normally is a disaster yeah i mean you normally doesn't go you can't do those two things at once yeah um so i think his hesitancy to trade wiseman to trade kaminga to trade moody I think all of that is real, but you make a good point. D- do the offers get depressed enough uh, that it isn't? I mean, be, from from all reporting, uh, Daryl Morey was asking for, I think it was Wiseman. It was Wiggins for the salary, Wiseman, Kaminga, and some first round picks. And yeah. Like Lake, I just hung up the phone. Or Bob Myers just hung up the phone. As he should, I think. Absolutely. So, do those offers get depressed enough? Where, or does it get toxic enough that Maury has to come back and you know reduce that offer to, or reduce his ask for something that is reasonable? And then the question becomes: Is it is it Wiggins or is it Draymond? I suspect it would be Wiggins. I don't think the Warriors are trading Draymond. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's Steph Curry's guy. Yeah. Then the question becomes like, what is the offensive fit with uh, with Draymond, Draymond and, Simmons. and Simmons? Right, they're kind of similar. I think it is probably a little bit better than most people think. And that defense, like, good luck, good luck scoring on if Clay right. is reasonably Clay, like, good luck scoring on Clay and Draymond and and Ben Simmons. Um, ben Simmons also has led the league 
a lot in getting guys threes in, in getting shooters yep. threes, getting himself in the paint. So there it's a, it's a little clunky, but I think it could definitely work. Um, we're, we're getting far afield here, but, um, yeah, I would, I, as it relates to Lakers fans, I think that would be one place that would make me nervous if, yeah. uh, ben, if this Ben Simmons saga goes that way. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I'm, where I'm, I'm sitting right now is I would prefer Simmons stay in Philly. And then if he's going to get moved, stay East, right? Go to Miami. Go Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, really want him to like go just like to some basketball wasteland, like Cleveland yeah. or Orlando or <laughs> Detroit. No, actually not Detroit. Actually probably not Detroit because him. Yes. Because yeah, not probably not Detroit. Yeah. Detroit. Kate Cunningham and him like yeah. it kind of scares me. So not probably not Detroit. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, ideally he goes to a team. But the problem with those teams, though, is that they aren't really going to have the kind of packages that you would be able to move to get Ben Simmons, right? That's not, they aren't going to. Yeah, that's why they can't figure out a trade for him. Right? It, the, the whole thing is so sticky. It's all so stuck in the mud. It actually looks a lot like Ben Simmons free throws, right? It was just, just like. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, it looks a lot more like Giannis free throws. It takes like <laughs> 18 <laughs> seconds. And just like, are you going to shoot? Are you are we doing this or no? Yeah, is I think I going to say anything about this. Yeah, one one uh, one whisper that I, I kind of heard is that, you know, training camps are getting ready to go. Ben or Giannis is actually already at the free throw line right now, getting ready to shoot his first free throw to <laughs> <laughs> so open up camp. Just, and everybody, if he misses it, everybody has to run laps. <laughs> he's just sitting there. He's sitting there waiting to take the first free throw of the 2021-2022 season. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, going through his whole ordeal. But yeah, I. I think to to kind of to kind of summarize this entire thing, what's what's your predict? Like, do, what do you think actually happens here? Like, something is going to have to give. Either Maury's asking price is going to have to drop, and Ben or Ben Simmons is going to be willing or has to be willing to to uh, go and play in Philly. Uh, I, I I laughed so, out loud at the report from Brian Windhorst that said that uh, Ben Simmons doesn't think. It's up to him. It's his job to up uh, to his raise trade his value. trade value. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's I how that works. Suspect, I don't think ben, I don't think Simmons is showing up to camp. Yeah. Um, you know, camp is a, is a couple weeks away for everybody. I don't think Ben Simmons is going to show up for a couple reasons. One, because he wants nothing to do with the organization anymore. I don't think he trusts the organization, and I think he wants to like call the bluff of the organization that they might find him. Cause the only thing the organization can do is find him. If he doesn't mm-hmm. show up, the only thing they can do is find him. I, my, my supposition is because Ben Simmons has a cachet around the league as whatever type of player he is. And a rich Paul and clutch is his agent and agency respectively. I think he may try to call their bluff about whether they're going to find him. And you know, I, I spoke hyperbolically before, but I think it's in, I think it's six figures that they can find him each day. If yeah. He doesn't show up and, you know, he's making 33 million or so, and he's made a lot of money and he will make a lot of money, but a hundred grand a day. I think it's yeah. actually more than that, but we'll th- just say a hundred grand a day. That matters to everybody. I think it's upwards of like three or 400 grand a day. Oh. Like it's something it's 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 yeah, something I mean, pretty it's, significant I, I don't, if they really want to try if they there, really want to it's a percentage of his it's a percentage of his maybe it's maybe it's 182nd i don't know yeah maybe it's like it's, a game check a day maybe they can find him a game check i'll i'll look as we're talking yeah. about this but um i mean it is at least six figures it's it's not seven figures but it i don't know where in the six figures it is but at minimum it's 100 grand a day and, and as you said it may be well more than that but that opens up other questions for the organization, right? Are you going to take a hard line? Is it about the money? Because that gets you a reputation around the league and with and with agents. And that makes like this business agent. later with superstars more difficult and with agents more difficult. And and Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are the, the most powerful agent and agency in the league. So like as much as they're already on the bad side with, with them, do you want to like, do you want to stick the, the knife in? Again, yeah. like, is that good business in the short term? Sure. But in long term, is that good business? So my guess is Ben Simmons just calls their bluff and doesn't show up and says, if you're going to find me, find me. Let's see. Yeah, I think that's the next big step that this is going to have to take. Like, we aren't, we aren't going to know about what's coming next until 
until we see that. It's so fascinating. Sports, sports might be the only place where millionaires get to tell billionaires or anywhere. The only place that billionaires get told what to do. Like it's so, it's so interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like it's the only place where billionaires actually don't have all of the leverage in every single room that they walk into. It's so I, interesting. what's funny is it, and that trickles down to the entire organization, right? Because like we're supposed to, you know, coaches getting paid five million dollars are supposed to tell grown men what to do that are making right. five, six, <laughs> eight Frank times. Frank like, going to tell LeBron, like, "Hey, man, go run laps." <laughs> they actually. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> suicides <laughs> vegas drill yeah, speaking uh, of suicide you just committed it career-wise like you just told <laughs> yeah i mean you know what's funny is from what i have seen uh frank and lebron actually do have a really good relationship oh yeah but uh and ad too the three of them work really well together mm-hmm. but yeah i mean like what do you in college it's different right in college the coach is the guy that matters in college football college basketball Right. Mm-hmm. They're making five, six, 10 million and they control your scholarship. They control your playing time, which yep. controls your future. And in the NBA, it completely shifts immediately. Right. Yeah. Like that's why sure, all those like, college coaches go to the pros and it's like, oh, this kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't like this at all. <laughs> this <laughs> dynamic is not what I'm used to. I don't <laughs> care for this. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, you know what random trade actually kind of makes some sense here? Speak on it. Ben Simmons and stuff for Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it does. It really does. Like on court, it really does make it like Brooklyn was better in the playoffs, but is kind of an abject disaster defensively. Ben Simmons mm-hmm. is one of the best, whatever, three, four, five defensive guys, yeah. and, and maybe the most versatile defensive player in the league. And Brooklyn has uh, the spacing that, necessary to make it work. Brooklyn with has Simmons. the spacing necessary. And they also, when Kyrie and Katie got there, they needed Kyrie's initiation and ball handling. Obviously, that has changed since James Harden, mm-hmm. who I don't know if you consider him a point guard or a shooting guard that just happens to have, have the ball all the time. He's a quarterback. Exactly. I mean, and he and Kyrie has even said this. Kyrie deferred to him, said, I'm the shooting guard now. You're the point guard. So that does make a lot of sense. They don't need Kyrie's creation anymore. You know who does need Kyrie's creation? Mm. The team in Philadelphia. My question, though, is... So the personality fit with Embiid and Simmons has been a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people around the league will tell you they don't get along particularly well. They tolerate each other, but don't really get along very well. And as far as quirky personalities in the NBA go... <laughs> Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving, if they're not one and two, they're in the discussion. Yeah. So that would concern me. Um, And Kyrie's injury history and Embiid's injury history and that mix would very much concern me. But on court, I think it's I think it's a fantastic thing. And look like like Kyrie. This is not a new thing with Kyrie. All right. Let me be not too specific here so I don't get. Do, do we get aggregated on here? I, I, we'll find out. All right. Well, wait, wait, I guess one way to find out. But like the intel on Kyrie has been, let's call it interesting for, yeah. for a while. I mean, there was a there was a good chance that Kyrie was going to be a Laker mm-hmm. four years ago, three years ago, the year before LeBron. There was a mm-hmm. good chance Kyrie. There was a chance Kyrie. There were there were talks and things were worked out, but you know, the research and Intel didn't come back. I'm, I'm being, I'm being careful, but the research and Intel indicated that LA might not be the best place for Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Lakers decided not to go with it, not to, not to, you know, pursue that any farther. Um, and so all of this has been known around the league and he's a fantastic player. One of the most skilled yes. guys, frankly, ever, but all of the other stuff that goes with it. And however you feel that he does a lot of good in this world and respect to him for that. But all of that other stuff matters to a basketball team. And I don't, I don't know if he's actually on the trade block, but I don't think it's a coincidence that now that they've gotten hardened, maybe they're kicking some tires. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and look at, look at, you know, current Laker DeAndre Jordan, right? It was, it was, he was there to be buddies with Kyrie and and KD. And I think it was Kyrie and KD's team at first. And 
Now it very much seems like KD's team. Doesn't mean Kyrie's going to get traded, but I don't mm-hmm. think that was even on the table, you know, 18 months ago. And now, depending on who you believe, maybe it is. And, and yeah. maybe it should be. And we're, and we're referring, by the way, to Nick Wright's tweet from yesterday or the day before that uh, Brooklyn has kind of checked out some offers on what they could get back for Kyrie and then followed that up in the same tweet with, by the way, if Kyrie was traded, he would just retire, um, which I think is a perfect encapsula- encapsulation of Kyrie Irving, the basketball player. Kyrie Irving, the person, fascinating, interesting, done a lot of good like you talked about but if i'm running a basketball team if i'm in charge of of the success and failure of a basketball team i don't know if i would trust Kyrie. you know it's 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 just kind of there's too much there and uh again incredible talent i always get nervous talking about Kyrie because young people love the dude and some of the some of the loudest my mentions ever get and my mentions by the way ever get is if i ever say anything derogatory about uh, Kyrie irving or if i ever criticize him at all uh, in any way so i'm trying to avoid that but still like you're talking about it's it's not exactly shocking that brooklyn would go out there and be like hey you know we have this incredible window right now we have james harden and kevin durant do we really want to put it at risk by continuing to employ Kyrie Irving and everything that comes with Kyrie Irving. That all that said, by the way, if you're talking about cities for Kyrie Irving and, and a sit a basketball city that would love Kyrie Irving, could you think about like what if he was able to get his stuff together, not even get his stuff, that's that puts it poorly. But if he was if he was able to focus more on basketball, uh Philly being the heir apparent to Allen Iverson, like yeah, that would fair. be so effing awesome. That would be such a real, like such a cool story. And the on court fit is incredible that's, too. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the word I should have used there is if he bought into the situation, then I think Philly with Kyrie Irving, that said, if he doesn't buy in, I right. can't think of much worse. <laughs> well, cities. and here's the thing, like, do I believe that he would retire if he got traded somewhere he didn't want to go? I don't know, but I kind of do. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He's the only guy. But yeah, that's, I don't know. That's because part of the, it seems like it's part for, of for like good why, and for good and bad, yeah. right? For good and bad, it doesn't appear like basketball is his primary. Well, maybe it is his primary, but his only focus, right? Yeah. A lot of guys we want uh, basketball is the only thing that matters, and to his mm. benefit, and to the world's benefit, and to sometimes his detriment, as it relates to basketball, it doesn't seem to be his only or primary interest. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, I don't know, like, would he maybe, but I can promise you one thing that coaches and GMs and executives around the league don't like, and not about him specifically, just in general. The one thing that all of them don't like is unpredictability. Yeah. Like not knowing what you're going to get. Right. That's a great way to put it. That we just like, because you don't know what you can count on. You, it's so hard to build a team when you don't know what you have. Yeah, and with their you know star. what you have with Kyrie on the court. He's one yeah. of the best whatever players in the world, right? He is mm-hmm. one of the most skilled guys ever. He's a top whatever six or eight offensive player on planet Earth. That's in terms probably, of basketball, that's probably players, he's, he's a top ten or twelve offensive yeah. player on planet Earth. Like all of that is true, but the unpredictability just concern like it just around the league it just concerns people because if you don't know what you have you don't know how to build yeah speaking of unpredictability will anthony davis play the five this year like like, like every i don't know man almost every other day maybe every third day there's some new report on this topic Mm -hmm. right and you're talking about predictability and you're talking about like what to expect from a player all logic points to what is best for the Lakers. And in my opinion, best for Anthony Davis is playing center. Right? <laughs> like, like that's just, that's just where I'm standing. Um, yep. And part of that, part of that, by the way, and I'll cop to it is my own bias, my own selfishness, because as a basketball fan and also as a Lakers fan, I want to see this dude be as great as he can be as regularly as he, as he can be that great. That's, that's the only place that this is coming from, from my regard. Um, that said, he seems to have legitimate 
questions about his ability to stay healthy if he's down there playing against big centers, Jokic, Embiid, Gobert, those kinds of players on a night in night night out basis. And so that's where they stand. That's the that's the the give and take that the Lakers have with Anthony Davis here. The question that I have, and I think a, a more interesting way of having this conversation than like, is this good? Is this bad? Is how do you think the rest of the Western Conference feels about Anthony Davis playing one position over the other? So I think basically everybody, a background on this, I think that I have gone back and forth with what I think is going to happen, uh, reading the tea leaves and frankly talking to people internally, but reading the tea leaves about what all the moves mean. Mm-hmm. Like with Russ, you say, okay, the spacing. He has to. He has to play five. And then, right, the Dwight signing and the DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan signing. And you go, okay, well, now. Thanking Polinka for the DeAndre signing. <laughs> exactly. So I tend to think that the Lakers' best lineups will have him at five. However, if he's not comfortable playing five for whatever reason, then maybe it isn't the best thing for him to play five. So my philosophy on it is I think he should play five predominantly, but if he's not comfortable with it, then I would like to see him play five enough Mm -hmm. so that when you want to go to it, so the the reps, the familiarity is available to you when you need to go to it in the playoffs. This was the issue last year, by the way, like last year, he played yeah. like 10, 12% of his minutes at center. And he's and then played, in the playoffs, he played like 40% his, the year before. Uh, yeah, the, the championship year. He played actually a fair amount more in, in New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, at center. To answer your question, I think every team in the NBA, and specifically the Western Conference, because I think that's what matters most to the Lakers mm-hmm. you know, in the near term. I think every team in the West is pretty terrified of AD playing the five because of the, because of the spacing that that provides. um, And because of the versatility that that provides except for the Warriors. And the reason why I say that, I think the Warriors probably prefer him playing the five. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because for whatever reasons, Draymond just gives him problems. Mm -hmm. Um, You saw it in the, in the play end game, basically Draymond basically made him just like a non-factor in the first half. Yeah. Um, and it because I think the Warriors like rightfully don't really trust their bigs like James Wiseman, who I am a I'm buying all the James Wiseman stock. Mm. Um, I'm a true believer, but he was awful last year. Right. Yeah. He's also coming off an injury and he and Kavon Looney are the only true, true centers that they have. Kavon Looney is always hurt. He's yeah. good positionally. He's not going to provide much. Right. He's a guy. So. If AD is playing the five against the Warriors and you can just let Draymond play the five and say, Draymond, that's your guy. You go do whatever you, you try to punk him. You try to do whatever you can do to take him out of the game. It gives like a very direct pathway to Draymond just as a full-time ish, or at least whenever AD is playing five, five for the Warriors. Um, And that unlocks the Warriors best lineups as, as we saw at the end of last year. Um, so I think the Warriors, like it should terrify everybody. AD playing five should terrify everybody. Yeah. But I think the Warriors are the one team that say, okay, well, Draymond has shown, and even going back to New Orleans, Draymond has just always given AD problems. Draymond's what? one of the best handful of defensive players ever on planet ever. Earth. Ever on planet Earth. And <laughs> yeah. he's also like people hate playing. Maybe other him. planets, like you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Pluto, which now like isn't a planet anymore. Yeah. In, in all kinds of places. So I think it is just kind of a direct pathway to getting the Warriors to some of their best lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see, obviously, with with Clay's health and with Otto Porter. And, you know, that would probably eliminate Bielitsa from from playing. But we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think the Warriors are the one team that can say, like, go play Anthony Davis at five, because that yeah. means we'll just play that Draymond at five. And there's the this court. history of Draymond of Draymond giving AD problems. So I think everybody should be terrified of AD playing the five, but I would guess the Warriors are like, "Mm, all right, like that just takes all of these lineups that don't work for us off the table. We'll just, yeah. All right, Draymond go do it. Yeah. I, 
it was funny when we were thinking of of you know what we were going to talk about today and we were talking when and, and ad playing the five came up and you brought up yeah the 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 Warriors probably want him at center. I first was like, that's crazy. But, right. you know, Draymond is also a crazy defender. Like, <laughs> Dray- Draymond is also just, you know, to, to quote Draymond is a lot. He, he's a lot of things and you just named one of them. Yeah. And so I, I but but what do you think? Like, What role do you think other teams preferring AD play center plays in the, the decision that the Lakers make here, should it play a role? Like for me, no, I think the, the Lakers need to do whatever the Lakers and AD and everybody thinks is right. Um, yeah. Right. Because the Lakers are, I wouldn't call them the prohibitive favorite, but I think the Lakers are definitely the favorite in yeah. the West. So I was certainly be the most about, talented team in the West. Probably. I wouldn't be worried about what everybody you do, whatever, especially because Jamal Murray is not around. Kawhi is not around for, you know, most or all of the year. Um, I think the Lakers decision-making and teams will tell you this all the time. Anyway, control what you can control and yeah. make everybody adjust to us. Um, so I wouldn't be worried about that. I'm not worried about that at all for the Lakers, but like the other part of it is when AD gets his minutes matter. I think like, I think he doesn't want to be called the starter, right? He doesn't want to start at five because he doesn't want to be seen as a five yeah, for whatever he, reason. Yeah. But I think the other part that matters is, who he's playing against, right? And if AD is playing his minutes at the five against other teams' backups, those guys are not as big as bruising. They're not as talented. Look, there aren't fives really. I mean, James Wiseman maybe, but then, but there aren't really, Mitchell Robinson's pretty athletic, but there aren't really like Younger fives around the league that are as, as athletic as AD. So that quickness advantage that he's going to have, that athleticism advantage mm-hmm. that he's going to have, especially against, you know, like, Right. We, we saw in the playoffs, like it, as, as quick as they were for the Lakers, if AD had been healthy, if he was playing his five minutes as a, against the Suns backups, right? You're not playing against DeAndre Ayton anymore. You're playing against Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric before he <laughs> yeah. got hurt. So I think that matters. It also, the bodies are smaller. So whatever wear and tear is on his body is not going to be as great if he's playing his five minutes as a backup five. Um, so I, I, but I don't think the Lakers should be like worried about whatever the worry, the worst, the Lakers should do whatever they think they yeah. should do for their best outcome and kind of not worry about what the rest of the league is going to do. And frankly, like the best centers, like Aiton was good against, uh, against AD before AD got hurt in the play in, in, in the first round, but like, AD gives Jokic all kind of problems. We saw yep. that in the bubble, Gobert. right? Like I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about AD against Gobert. Like yeah. all of these, I'm not worried about Look, the Minnesota's not making the playoffs, but I'm not worried about him against cat. And these are if like anything, some of the I'm best excited centers. about cat right. trying to guard AD. <laughs> exactly. So I, I certainly think there's an argument to be made that AD should, should be the five, like should start there and be the full-time five. But I understand the part the, like the nuance of it. And maybe, you know, to, to use a bad baseball reference, right. Maybe you want some innings eaters at the, at the yeah. five so that he doesn't have to have that wear and tear until the playoffs. And like I said earlier, I do think it is important that whatever your handful of best five man groups are for the Lakers. Um, I think those are going to include AD at the five, you know, Russ, whoever two and three, you can mm-hmm. kind of fudge with if that's, if that's Mello, Monk, actually, if that's think, Monk and Ellington yeah. for the spacing, you know, whatever. I think Bazemore is probably in there because he has the most like competent two-way potential. Yeah. Um, he's easily as long the best as defender those, that the Lakers have there. Like he is the best. He's the guy that I think of the twos and threes that the Lakers have that I trust most offensively and defensively. Like is the ceiling that high for either? No, but I think he is playable offensively and defensively in the playoffs. I think he's, he has the best chance to be playable on both sides in the playoffs. So whatever combination you want at the two and three, and then, and then uh, LeBron and AD, all of those five man groups. My main concern is that AD plays five enough so that you have the institutional knowledge and the reps together. So when you go to it, when it matters, you don't look like you met an hour ago. Right. Well, that was, again, like that's what they ran into last year. It's funny because the people who 
don't think AD playing the five is is that important, we'll point to the numbers from last playoffs. Like the Lakers weren't that much better when AD was a five. And it was like, yeah, they had played <laughs> like maybe three total games. Yeah. You know, if you were to add yeah. all the minutes of of like they played they may play, they may have played a hundred minutes or so uh with him at the five. That's not enough to to figure out like where everybody is going to be and 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 let Correct. alone let alone like make it elite, right? Because the point of putting AD at the five is so that you become elite. That's the, that's the whole reason you do it. So I think like for me, when people ask me like, do you want him to start and only play at the five? I say no for multiple reasons. One, AD doesn't want to do that. And I don't want to make AD do stuff that he doesn't want to do because that's going to make him a worse player flat right. out. Like right. that, that's just, we are, we are worse at what we do when we do things that we don't want to do. Um, and then, and then, you know, for the other, the other reason is if there is information and I'm sure there probably is information and data that backs up the concern of him staying healthy if he plays too much five. And when you think about what he does at the five, it's not just running uh, rim to rim. It's not just right. pick and rolling hard. It's not just like that stuff on the offensive side. It's also being the best defensive player in the NBA. So like, like that's, that's a lot to ask of a player, his size. And so like, I, I agree with the innings eater thing. Uh, all I care about is that he plays enough five uh, to make those lineups, the best Lakers lineups, absolutely elite. Like when they go to that lineup, it's a Clayton Kershaw curveball. It's a Mike Tyson, right hook. Like Hopefully it's, it's, it's not a Clayton it. Kershaw curveball in the playoffs. So. You know what, man? He, he was, I'm not, I'm not when, a Dodger fan. I got to be honest. <laughs> well, you're from the Bay, yeah, but like, for, like <laughs> but so, oh, which we have our own, uh, we got our own problems, but Hey, Blake trying has been, uh, been great for the league. You know what? Or for the Dodgers. <laughs> you know, you know what? Um, I have this, uh, this other theory about AD and it isn't specifically tied to the five, but it's everybody talking about how, you know, he's, he's gets banged up a lot. I don't know if there's anybody that like physically, I want to say takes more. Nobody chances, pushes their body harder, right? Because nobody, or, or nobody has like the wider or, or, or array of what is asked for them on a basketball yeah. court. Maybe, maybe Giannis now, but like Giannis no. isn't really guarding, like banging with dudes in the post, just guarding post ups like that. But then nope. AD is also switching on to point guards and and wings and guarding Kawhi and chasing, uh, you know, chasing closeouts out to the three point line. And then on offense, he is also a screen setter. He's also a mm -hmm. post-up guy, but then he is also out on the perimeter handling the ball. So I, I just think like, I think I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it, but I think maybe there's like, because of what is asked of him and his body, maybe he has the, the most availability for injury because of what yeah. is asked of him. I think, I think what is asked of him physically is on par or greater than anybody else in the league ever. I think also probably fair. Ever like I, I find me find me other players who are asked to do all of the things that AD is asked to do when he is playing his best basketball. And look, by the way, like I grant to people that it almost isn't fair to judge him based off of what he can do, right? Like like if we're if we if we based all of our evaluations off of just sheer talent and what a player could be in the NBA. Shaquille O'Neal is probably the biggest underachiever in the history of basketball, right? And yet, Shaq had a great career. <laughs> Shaq, did, Shaq did, in fact, have a great career. <laughs> so, I think like, it might be Rasheed Wallace, by the way, who yeah, like that's, that's who, who was like the guy that could literally do anything before. Yeah, I mean, KG certainly became that dude too. But yeah, like Rasheed, I thought, I thought KG that. did more more often than Rasheed did. Oh no, he did, and he was a much better player. But yeah, like. Rashid was one of those guys. Who'd be like, all right, like I'm gonna get you a bucket in the post. Okay, yeah. I can shoot the little fadeaway in the post. What is it? This ball, of, ball is life guy. Should I do like? Should I start doing the right shoulder and left shoulder and your two dribble pull up? Uh, but but Rashid could do. Yeah. Rashid could do all of that. And Rashid yeah. was like one of the first guys, one of the first big guys shooting threes back in the day. So, yeah, he was a monster. Rashid Wallace. He was a yeah. monster. All right. We're going to wrap this episode and we're going to have a revolving. So just so that I'm not asking, I don't want to overtax you, Aaron. Uh, I'm with it. Know. Tax me. <laughs> but, I'm with it. Let's, we yeah. are going to have a revolving like close uh, show closer. Uh, this episode, though, it's going to be show, show time or story time. 
uh, with Aaron Larson. You had uh, a, a very unique, like I, one of the top reasons I love talking basketball with you is because of like the path that you took in basketball. Yeah. It's been strange. Yeah. Like Cir- I, I circuitous, I, I believe the route would be called. <laughs> like, like we were laughing about this last night, but like we, we both just kind of like drunkenly stumbled through our basketball, like careers. And then wound yeah, pretty up much. at a really cool spot. Yeah. Basketball <laughs> and media. Just, yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so but we're, we're, we're introducing the segment story time, uh, in this episode. And, uh, you said you, you, you hinted at it involving Shaquille O'Neal. So it does. And I actually, um, last night after we, after we talked about this and I decided, uh, I wanted to tell this story. I listened back to, I have saved, uh, some audio from when I talked to Shaq about this story. I had him on uh, the official Lakers podcast a couple of years ago and, and asked him about this and he actually remembered it. So I'll actually, I'll, I'll send you the audio if you want to yes. pop it in I mean, at the end. I don't know. It's, it's actually scary, but so uh, I worked for the trailblazers for a while in various capacities, um, including some radio and TV stuff, some stats work, uh, some scouting, et cetera. So this is probably 2009. Yeah, this is two, uh, 2009. Shaq is on the Suns. And from my time with the Blazers, I have become very, very close with, and I, I still am to this day, Joel Prisbilla, who was just a like big body center. Uh, he was going to block a shot. He was going to run his mouth. He was going to set a screen on you. He was going to catch lobs mm-hmm. and dunk, right? He like rebound. I think he had 26 or 27 rebounds in a game, right? So kind of just a, like, not a skilled guy, kind of just a goon, mm-hmm. uh, just a, but a sweetheart off. The I was court. still, I was going to say that, friends. but I was going to let you say that first. <laughs> still one of my best friends to this day. Yeah. And so um, the Blazers, we at the time are playing, um, are playing the Suns in Portland and I'm at the scorer's table. And in those days, I used to, I mean, if you, if you check out my, my IG or even probably Twitter now, um, you'll see my, my affinity for shoes, Mm -hmm. but in, so that goes, that goes way back. Now it's mostly just, uh, just Nikes, just Jordans and Air Maxes and stuff. But in those days I used to get dressed up for games. I'd wear incredibly bright colors for no reason. I like, you know, maybe like a sweater, a sweater with the dress shirt. untucked underneath it you Uh know that's what we did back in those days right yeah i wore uh, you know plenty of times i I remember rocking that exact like combination yeah i mean this is like sometimes a chain like like that runs through the collar definitely you know definitely i'm actually about to buy a chain again i I think it's about time i get back into the chain game but um so so i used to wear gaiters i used to wear these bright colored dress shoes um that i would get all over the place i'd get them in detroit Mm-hmm. I would get them uh, in on eBay. I would get them. There was a spot down in San Jose. I would get them. I would get them some in Portland. I would get them all over the place. And so I was known for wearing these gaiters. And so I, I want to say it was like in the first or second quarter, early in the game, uh, the Suns are going to the basket on on to my right. And Joel takes a charge on Shaq in the middle of the lane. And Shaq used to think that, and, and Shaq even said, he's like, oh, I missed Joel. Tell him I said hi when I talked to him about it a couple of years ago. But in those times, because they had gotten into it a couple of years before, uh, Shaq used to call Joel a flopper. So Shaq is pissed mm. that Joel has taken a charge on him in the lane and like flips the ball at Joel while he's laying on the ground. And Joel ain't having it. Like, cause yeah. Joel is like, Joel ain't no punk. <laughs> Joel does yeah. not have it. Joel doesn't care who it is. I feel so like Shaq a, thought everybody was a flopper. Like he did. Yeah. yeah at a did. certain point, if you bump into enough people and they all fall, the entire world is a bunch of floppers. Now, to be fair, he's also a giant. Right. Exactly. Joel is <laughs> seven one, and like in those days, you know, he's probably two forty now. But in those days, Joel was seven one, like two sixty five. Joel's like yeah, a monster. He's a big dude, and he's still sixty pounds smaller 70 pounds smaller <laughs> yeah. than Shaq we never really knew how 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 big Shaq was especially as a so Lakers. in this interview that I did with him a couple of years ago Shaq told me that he was 385 at oh the time <laughs> so <laughs> so Shaq flips the ball at Joel Joel is not having it gets up and gets in Shaq's face and I completely lose track of where I am. And Joel's like my brother, right? Yeah. I completely lose track. Oh boy. And how I like where I come from. 
if you're if you're in it, I'm in. Like it's yep. my brother, right? If you're fighting, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. I just completely black out. So I take. I'm doing some TV stuff. I think uh, for that game. So I take my headset off. Oh no! And start walking on the court because I completely lose track of everything. And I'm like, well, my boy is getting ready to fight. So here we go. <laughs> so I actually give walk. me your dimensions. Give me your dimensions back then. Like how? Oh, like, I'm. I'm like six, six one on a good one. I'm six yeah. one on a good day. Depending on how my back feels, I'm six one. <laughs> Which um, shoes you're wearing? Exactly. Have, have I like done my <laughs> inversion table? <laughs> oh, and I'm probably I'm like 195 now. I was probably mm, I was probably 180. <laughs> no, I was probably 180. I'm like six one, one eighty. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like decent, like kind of a small corner. I'm like a decent <laughs> cornerback size there. Yeah. Like college it works. In the NFL, uh-huh. you need to put some weight on. Yeah. Uh, or just never tackle. Like, Correct. Yeah, right. I'm Deion Sanders. Just, yeah, man, go ahead. I don't go ahead. If I don't intercept this, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I start walking on the court and the Blazers court, I think it still is, but in those days they had the, uh, like on the outside rim, there was the, the like wood color, the parquet. And then mm-hmm. the, the big border around the court was red and red. Then black and then red. And I have no idea what I'm doing. It like, doesn't occur to me until I see my bright green gator has stepped onto, <laughs> onto the Until black the bar and I go, Oh man. Oh my God. Wait, what which black bar? Here? Like the, the, the one to get on the court. Like I'm, I'm sitting at no, the no, scores no. table. So I'm no, like, no, I'm, I'm saying, on the court. I'm saying, I'm saying like, like, cause it was, cause it was like, it was black, red, black. Right? No, it was, it's red. It's like a thin red oh, okay, okay, okay. and then a huge black bar. And then another yeah. thin red, I think, or maybe it wasn't, there wasn't a second thin red one. So huh. I only notice. Like so you my went, mind snaps in. I am literally on the court at this point. Yeah. I am like not inbounds quite it, yet, but you would, you'd be there to inbound the ball though. Exactly. I'm like a foot from actually inbounds. <laughs> and I look down and I see my shoe and I go, what am I doing? <laughs> this is that. <laughs> there are so many bad, like, first of all, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Second of all, I'm going to get my ass kicked on national TV. Yeah. Third of all, I'll never be allowed in any nba arena ever again fourth of all i mean like twitter wasn't that big of a deal back then but fourth of all like everything is going to be making fun of me and i'm just going to be the dude that was out on the court in bright lime green gators (laughs) (laughs) with with these giant humans getting my ass kicked and uh like and right i really like working for the blazers this will never happen again if i oh my god what am i doing so i quickly like turned around to pretend like none of it happened and went back to my seat (laughs) <laughs> what did your because you said you were doing tv stuff yeah. you had a team that you're working with did anybody yeah. say like aaron dude i have no what? idea because i completely blacked out like no, no, i took like, my headset you got, off you get back right you oh yeah no they looked at me, we were on the air so they yeah. looked at me they looked at me pretty crazy like, what? <laughs> i'm not gonna cry i'm gonna save it for episode two before i start before i start cursing but like what the f are you doing man <laughs> they looked at me pretty crazy but yeah, so Shaq did not forget that story, and actually, apparently, no way. Based on the audio, I'll, I'll send it to you. All right. uh, I'm going to put it in the show. Just a heads up. Yeah, okay. I'll credit. So he, this is the, the the audio you're about to hear after this is going to be credited from the official Lakers podcast. Just a heads up. So he definitely, uh, yeah, he definitely. I, I'm not going to give away what he said, but he was he's very fond of Joel, and he definitely. Uh, he definitely remembered uh, me like almost walking on the court. Oh, you're bright green gators guy. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, he definitely remembered me almost walking on the court. To be fair, never mind. You know That's what? Awesome. I was gonna never mind. Once I moved to LA, there was a time at a bar where someone remembered me from Portland and my shoes, and it led to a never mind. It led to a fun night. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed it did indeed it did so that uh, was but key. i was I, yeah that was young I was, single I was anthony for, I was needed to wear like wander around gators the, <laughs> i was known for the dude that would wander around the court in portland um with gators on with bright colors on i don't do that in at stable center that that time is past i'm also old at this point so that time has passed but that was that that is the time that Shaq almost beat the bleep out of me <laughs> 
on at the oh, it was the moto it was uh, excuse me the rose garden now it's the moto center or maybe they call it something else now but at the rose garden that was the time that Shaq almost did terrible things to me so like covering <clears throat> covering basketball and being like playing basketball as long as i have has kind of like i'm used to how big professional basketball players are mm-hmm. and there are only two people who ever like blew me away with how big they are one was Magic Johnson, and the reason he really kind of blew me away was because I was covering the Dodgers for that event, and he's a Dodgers co-owner. Yeah. And so, like, seeing him around a bunch of baseball people, it was like, oh, my God, that guy is giant. Like, that guy, in the room that he is in right now, holy crap. The other person, obviously, is Shaq. Like, the, yeah. first, time you, the first time you ever meet Shaq, you are just astounded, blown away by how big this guy is, and you were ready to take him on on tv i mean yeah national tv i mean i don't know that i was ready to and to for, give for me, like a couple seconds give me, dude you were ready yeah but to give me credit like this was a rational decision or this was like yeah. a conscious decision is probably yeah. giving my 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 intestinal fortitude my toughness way too much credit i just completely lost track of yeah. everything that was around me because I noticed my boy, my brother yeah. was going to about to be in a fight. So that meant I was in it. So <laughs> no, I like say it was like, oh, man, I'll fight Shaq. Who cares? <laughs> and by the way, from those days, this is this ties into the Lakers, too. From those days, I mean, we had Joel, Greg Oden, LaMarcus, Marcus Camby. I mean, we had some big boys in those days. Mm-hmm. The last dude I would have fought on those Blazer teams. And I actually I saw Greg Oden in uh, in in Big Vegas Greek. for Summer League. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. We actually laughed about this very specifically. The last dude I would have tried. And by the way, Andre Miller was on those teams and Andre Miller is from yeah. the streets. Yeah. And the last dude I would have fought on all of those teams was Steve Blake, who I think was a Laker eight times crazy and a Blazer person. 12 times. Yeah. Crazy. So, and, and Greg and I actually talked about it in Vegas. The last dude we were trying to fight from those Blazer teams was Steve Blake. So I don't know that it was like a conscious decision. Like I'll, I'll fight Shaq. I don't care. <laughs> It was, I just blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, here we go. Well, like we, we come from like fairly similar trains of thought, right? Like if I see somebody and, and, you know, at the very least, I don't necessarily go immediately to I'm coming in swinging. I'm more of the, let me get my guy out of that situation. Just yank him as hard as I possibly can out of that situation. Even still though, Shaq's I mean, at the other the end of that line of six, one, one eighty, me trying to like trying to yank, yank seven, one, 265 <laughs> professional athlete away from seven two three 385 professional well, athlete is the, the notion of you, the notion of you in that equation at all is, is hilarious. Like, yeah, man, it was not, but it was, it was really funny that Shaq remembered that's Pacific it. rim. Like those guys are just huge. Hey man, I, I'm not even that tough to begin with, but yeah. It, I consider myself as tough as I need to be, but I cannot say that I've ever gone up against anybody that size. (laughs) One way to find out, I guess. (laughs) No, there isn't. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to find that out. (laughs) I I appreciate you. (laughs) That means you love me. I appreciate you. That's good advice. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been The Hook. Uh, Every single Friday, Aaron and I are going to get together and give you a reason to either ignore work for an hour or so, enjoy your commute that much more uh, as you get ready for your weekend, any of those things, whatever it might be, this is going to be the place to, uh, to listen to Lakers and NBA talk on Friday afternoons. Until next week, I'm Anthony Irwin. That's Aaron Larsoul. Have a good one, everybody. I think I'm going to uh, stay away from the time I considered fighting that dude across from me. Oh. You? We, we almost had a fight? No, we were, uh, I used to work for the Trailblazers. I know, and, I've seen that fucking face. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> one of my boys, I'm, I'm close with Pris Villa. And, uh, Where's Joel at? He's back in Milwaukee. I like he, Joel. Yeah, he, he fit, never quit. Tell him I said hi. I will, I will. I like Joel. Uh, so you were in Phoenix... And, uh, you know, y'all got into it a little bit. 
so I completely forget where I am, and you know how I grew up. If, if you know, if one of your people's having some trouble, you <laughs> you start participating. So I start walking on the floor. Like I take all my stuff off, start walking on the floor. Like I'm gonna do something. <laughs> so just very quickly remembered where I was. I thought that is not it. That would be stupid. Go sit back down. Yeah, you're gonna get fired. You're gonna get your ass beat on national say, TV. I wasn't like, gonna beat you up. 